Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Warrior Within. I hope you guys were able to listen to my last podcast with my friend and I talking about what singleness is like. And I actually realized this last week, we didn't actually talk about who should be our first love. I mean, outright, um, you remember that time probably when you're younger and that moment when you saw that girl where it was like love at first sight. You know, you you saw her and you're like, I just want to get to know her. I just want to get to meet her. And and some guys would actually say they fell in love with her in that moment. Some people even get to marry that person. Many do not. And that's okay. I mean, it has nothing to do with what we're necessarily talking about, like how it works. But the idea is I want you guys to think about that first girl that you saw that you just thought, yes i would actually marry her actually i would love to to get to know her more and that feeling that desire that you had in that moment as you saw her as you got excited for that moment to just be able to be near her or look at her or talk to her you know that that desire that built up in you to want to build something with that you see guys I think a lot of times we're not teaching other men and young men, especially boys, the value of or how important it is to have God be known as your first love. A lot of times I think men don't know how to teach their sons how to um, love God first 100%, especially not being able to relate or connect with them at a younger age. Um, some men have their own issues because of how they were brought up and by their examples of the their dad was to them. And if you're lucky to have parents that were, you know, want to bring you up in Christianity, then you get a better understanding. But I still think there's still even a struggle in Christian families where the dad really does not know how to actually teach his son to love God first. Because I, even even I, I was brought up in a Christian family. I went to Christian school starting in fifth grade. And I was in the uh, two different Christian schools, Bethel and then Faith Baptist. And throughout that whole time, I was never really truly taught what it meant to love God first. It was always used as kind of a legalistic uh, tool to try to get you to understand that you need to love God first, but there was never that teaching, the the intimacy that we needed to have with God. It wasn't until I was 21, and I think I've mentioned this before, but I got to meet an author and his wife at a Christmas party, did not know that they were authors of this book that I read. And I remember my mom coming into my room and say, I have a book for you. And it's by that gentleman that you met um, at the Christmas party. And I said, well, what kind of book is it? And of course, she's like, well, it's a it's about love. And it's called When God Writes Your Love Story. And I've said this before. It sounds sappy, but that book changed my whole outlook and helped me to better understand what it means to first love God. You see, throughout my time, especially through high school, junior high and high school, the battle I had was 
I thought I had to uphold standards and rules and morality as a almost like a testing of my faith versus a wanting of my faith. You see, teaching morality and teaching, you know, right and wrong is not wrong in itself. But if you are teaching your kids standards that they must uphold without actually teaching them why they must uphold it, then it becomes basically like a weighting system of right and wrong. And so even though you, you see that your kid thinks, you think your kid is understanding what you're really trying to teach them and you've seen your kid living that, that way of living, doesn't mean they actually understand why they do that. Because I found myself very much someone who held the standards versus understanding the importance of knowing who God was. Because we don't really teach an intimate relationship building when we teach about knowing God. We, we kind of emphasize the idea of you go to a church, you get into small groups, you pray with people, you talk to people like we've been talking about. But the truth is, the question you got to ask yourself is how important is your relationship with God? You see, if we were to go directly to scripture right now, the, the easiest chapter to go to with the phrasing of the two greatest commandments that many of you and many and myself who have been brought up in Christian families went to church went to Sunday school class. It's Matthew chapter 22. And it's basically love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? I mean, there it's it's not just in Matthew, but that one is usually the one that's used. And it's because of the Pharisees and the Sadducees stayed silent, but they were there. The Pharisees got together and asked, you know, Jesus, you know, one of them in verse 35, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law. Now they're talking about the 10 commandments. And so they're asking him, which of the 10 commandments is the greatest? But Jesus replied in this way, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandments or commandment, excuse me. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, what he did is he split the Ten Commandments into basically two sections. The first, I think, is two, maybe three, might be wrong, is basically about God. And the rest of the Ten Commandments was about how you treat other people, basically. But he wasn't separating the two. And that is a problem that we could see in today's Christian culture. So the idea was you got to do the loving of God first, okay? Because otherwise he could have just said one of the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. But he says it this way. This is the first and greatest. So it's the most important, okay? And the second is like it. He didn't say the second is it or is the same as this. He wants you to emphasize an understanding that loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, soul, and mind is the vital and most important part of these two commandments. Now you got to ask yourself, why is that important? Why would God care about us knowing him so much, having that intimacy, that connection with him? 
Well, ultimately, when I was 21, after I read that book, in the beginning, the book really emphasized the importance of how involved is God in your life? A lot of times, a lot of people don't understand this thought. Because in their heads, and what happened with me before I was 21, is I didn't think God cared about everything about my life. I thought he was only concerned about my spiritual well-being and that I lived a, a good and righteous life. That was it. I thought I had to do all the work. And I know I've mentioned this before, but this is why these verses and the importance of loving God first comes together for my phrasing, why I think the way I do. You see, I spent so many years thinking every time bad things happened was because I failed and made a mistake. And therefore, God was kind of punishing me for that action. But in reality, it's because we live in a sinful we live in sinful nature around us like our earth has sin nature and so corruption is there so sin does corrupt what is good things do happen to us we get sick we can die from illness we can die from a car crash we can lose someone we love we can be disabled we can have bad things constantly happening anything can happen but it's not because god is just trying to destroy you or trying to punish you for your living now be mindful that does not mean that your sins do not have consequences so never think that oh well bad things happen to me is up because god well sometimes god allows your consequences to come forward come through in hopes that you will change and repent it's always leading right back to grace and repentance repentance redemption and accepting christ for what he's done for you it always goes back to that but you got to understand for you and i to be able to live a righteous life a good life that's honoring and upright and holy in god's eyes in a lot of ways is by following his commandments by building this relationship with him by praying, not because it's a standard or a rule of thumb. No, it's because you want to communicate with your Lord. You want to know who God is in your life. You study the scriptures, not because you became a Christian and that's what we're supposed to do. No, you study the scriptures because you want to get to know your Savior. You want to get to know the Creator. You want to get to know who God is. It always leads right back to understanding that God is seeking out a relationship with you and not a petty one, not something like you meet people on social media, but you don't really know them. That's not what he's looking for. He's not looking for when you have time to spend time with me. Great. No, he's looking for a, a relationship. Why? Because he's concerned about every part of your life, but you got to spend time with him. You got to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, and mind spirit and body everything he is concerned about every aspect of your life and scripture also mentions that he enters or the holy spirit enters into you your body like a temple okay that means that that's a deep and close relationship i mean we're married we we know what it's like to have an intimate deep relationship in it and the physical in the mental and the, the spiritual and and just the relational but what we don't understand is that God is wanting that same deepness. 
Okay. So physical is that you understand your body is the temple of the Lord and you're willing to take care of it and you're willing to try to keep it healthy. You're willing to use it appropriately for his purpose and not for your own selfish ones. I, I believe a lot of Christians don't understand that because they think, well, it's my body. I get to do what I want. Why do we think that? Because the culture teaches everybody to think that way. You know, we always talk about abortion versus uh, women's rights. The thing is, guys and gals that are listening, yes, a woman has a right to protect her body, but the, the body that's within her is God's. And you're so willing to destroy that even if it is the most horrible thing that's ever happened to you and how that baby became when that baby could be used to honor God if you gave it a chance whether a girl or boy because you are willing to bring up that child in likeness of Christ it all leads right back to the idea that it's relational it's connecting with God in this relationship that he's longing from us We have created a culture that has abused these two commandments in a way that they think that if we just love others, then we'll be more accepting of others. Now, there's a partial truth in that. You do learn to love others because you're loving God, which is the most important part but the truth is, if you're loving God, then you know what he thinks and feels about things. You know that he does not accept every sin as just, eh, well, it wasn't murder, so therefore it wasn't to No. He doesn't sit there and say, there's some sins that are okay because they're not too bad and they haven't really hurt anybody. No. Sin separates us from God, Period. So if you are truly saying that you're a follower of Christ, you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, then you got to know your scriptures. And if you know your scriptures, you can't just accept everything. It does not mean you don't love people. It means you don't accept sin, period. You see, I learned after I read that book, that God knows the type of woman I need better than I could ever imagine. So even though before I met my wife, there were several girls that I was interested in, that God brought them in my life at some point for a purpose. And a lot of it was probably molding me and recognizing things about women that I needed to know but also to help me challenge myself. That's why I emphasize, I think a couple podcasts that even if you are single, even last time, like last podcast, uh, Jordan mentioned that too. Even if you are not married, even if you're not necessarily dating right now, even if you are dating right now, get yourself ready now to be the husband that your wife deserves to have a man that leads his family, a man who loves God first. That's why it's so important to build that relationship. 
So I want you guys to just take a moment right now and think about how important is God in your life? How important is he in everything in your life? Because that moment when I read the first, I think it was like the first chapter, maybe the second one. And I remember the author saying that, you know, he was with a bunch of college students who were talking about who they liked or who so-and-so liked, blah, blah, blah. And they asked him and his response was interesting to me. It, it changed my outlook because it didn't, it didn't, it didn't register all these years. It just registered in that moment. But he said, if God placed, I think it was 10 women in front of me and told me to pick one, I wouldn't know who to pick because the idea is guys, a woman could be absolutely beautiful and be absolutely trash in the inside because she doesn't love God either. Beauty and attraction, physical wanting of a woman is not love. I challenge you this week sometime and I'm not done talking, but I challenge you this week to take time and look up the different types of loves that are in scripture. In our English Bibles, we use love, the word love for everything, but there's actually different meanings of love. And because we use love as everything, even our culture corrupts the understanding of what love is. They think love is having sex with women. Love is romancing yourself with a, a woman even though you're not married to her. That's the big emphasis in our in our worldly culture. But even in our Christian culture, we don't really realize that there's different types of love. You can love your brother in Christ. It doesn't mean you're romantically interested in them. There's also a love for family. It doesn't mean you're romantically interested in your family. There's even a love, there's different types of, of a love relationship between a married couple. There's the physical love desire, and then there's even the relational connection of love between a husband and wife. You see, I think our confusion and understanding of love has only been clouded by the culture's view of love and us as Christians not teaching love. So now we have a lot of young people are going in public schools growing up with this distorted version of romance because they can't see it in the church. They don't see the pastor romancing his wife. They don't see mom and dad romancing their, each other. They don't see relationships like they're supposed to be done because we think everything has to be so private, so private that seeing a pastor kiss his wife in the lips is like taboo putting his arm around her and telling her how much he loves her in front of people is taboo holding hands in public is taboo like i can't really remember too many pastors in my life where i've seen them be romantic with their wife in front of everybody in front of kids especially because in some places in our in our in our country, not even third world countries, or you know, we think the worst scenario, but even in our own country, there are kids that don't have a dad. There are kids that don't have mom. There are kids that live with grandma because mom and dad can't take care of them. There are kids that are growing up right now in this moment, becoming men and women that have no idea what true romance could be 
from a Christian perspective. If they can actually see those that are in leadership loving God first, but then also loving their wives secondly in, in, in order, or seeing other men in the church loving their wives, um, talking about the dates that they've taken their wife to. I think we've, we've created such a separation of, of connectivity in churches that we have a bunch of kids that never get to see that because it's, it's supposed to be too private. And it's like, no, because that they're growing up thinking that TV shows and movies are, are what romance is all about. We have so many kids who in secret are having sex at a younger age who are touching girls inappropriately. We having girls giving their bodies away to young men because they think loving a guy is about giving up their treasures. And a guy vice versa thinking, I have to win her physically to be a man. This is a wake up call for you men. Do you love God first? How important is God in your life? And then how are you treating your wives in front of your kids? How are you treating your wife in front of other kids? Do they know how much you love your wife? How about how you treat your wife in front of other family and your neighbors. Like, do they emphasize, do you emphasize that love enough where people know that you love your wife? And if you're dating, do they, especially when you're at a point where you want to be engaged with this girl, do people, does she know, do, do people know that you love her or is your eyes looking around trying to find someone else just in case you see loving someone can never truly be that strong and you won't have a true understanding of it unless you understand the person who wrote love out. God knew that Jesus was going to come down the road. It wasn't a surprise that Adam and Eve sinned. It wasn't a surprise that Jesus was born. He had this all planned out. He knew our world was going to need a savior that was going to show the ultimate price of love. And yet we don't seek out that relationship with him. We don't teach that relationship to others. We don't emphasize the beauty of understanding who God is through prayer and studying scripture and talking about it to each other. This week, guys, like I said, look up. It's like seven loves of, in the scriptures that are there that are biblical. And you can you can find articles that are talking about it and you can study it, learn about that. And then secondly, I will challenge you for this week. Ask God to be a part of every aspect of your life. Imagine, like I said last week, imagine having a house or I think I said boat. I can't remember what I use, but I like to use the house. Are all of your doors in your house open to him? Even the dark crevices of sin that you have, are you allowing him to clean that out? How about things that you love most? I mean, in our Christian culture, I think we have emphasized pastors and our church and standards and rules higher than God. In some cases, we put them on a pedestal where they're 
almost praised and worshipped for what they are. I, I mean, one of the scary things is hearing people reverend a, a pastor as if he's holy and has a better understanding of truth than they do. Why? Because that means you're not studying the scriptures yourself to, to make sure that your pastor is teaching truth. And so at the end, their love is not for God, their love is for pastor. And the same for the church building itself. It's the same for standards and rules they follow, legalism, legalisms that they stand by, to even emphasizing things that are good things overall. Like you do need a pastor that loves you. You need to have a pastor that you can respect and trust and that he cares for you. But at the same time, you got to have leaders that do all that too. But at the same time, you still got to make sure that they're following truth because they're human just like you and I. I make mistakes too. It's not like I'm perfect. I make mistakes. Your pastor does too. You always got to know the truth so that you are not blinded by the blind. That you are not being blinded by the enemy trying to corrupt your thoughts and your thinking. So I, I say this week, challenge yourself. Learn more about love. To make sure God owns all aspects of your house. Not just the pieces that you want him to have all of it. So let me pray for you guys. Dearly Father, thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for you being who you are. For how much you love us that you're willing to send your son to die on our behalf. But the fact that we need to be coming to you in a, in a relationship building mindset to know you better so that we can have discernment and that we can have a better understanding to stay away from sin, to not allow sin to have a hold on us, but also so that we can love our wives better. So that we, we, if we're dating, we have a better understanding how to treat a woman right. So that if we are planning to even marry this woman, that she will know that I, I and whoever you know is listening love God first. I love God first so I can love my wife better. You're a single guy. You love God first so you're better prepared. If you're a dating guy, you want to learn how to love God first so that when that time comes... God will be able to show that woman that you love God, love him so much that marrying you is like amazing. So I pray, Lord, that you make it clear for all these men that are listening, that they have a better understanding that they need to chase after you, know you and allow you to be able to fill their home with your love. And they have to let go to let go of the idols that are keeping them stuck so that they can have a better understanding of how to build themselves up to be better men. And not only that, but better dads so that they train up their young men to be men who love God first. So I ask, Lord, that you move people today that are listening, that their hearts will be changed. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen.